Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. You are listening to Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. I wrote the check and went to work. It's episode 16, season 2021. Glad you're here. Coming to you from Dallas-Fort Worth. It's a Saturday morning. No, not today, but when this occurred. I'm hearkening back. It's late, pushing noon. I got some work to do, computer work, website updates, video editing, a little bit of voice work, general catching up kind of stuff. I usually do one of two things. I will either fire up the iTunes library and don the headphones, listen to whatever strikes my fancy at the moment, or more likely than not, I'm going to fire up the TV here inside the yellow studio, find something to watch this time of year, college football. I mean, come on ESPN game day. It's got to, you got to watch that. It normally is just stuff that's, on in the background as I'm doing my stuff. Wee hours in the morning, the insomnia usually provokes the music, but I listen to a lot of music, as most of you know. But on this occasion, on this Saturday morning, I go to Amazon Prime. I I don't know why. Yeah, I do know why. (laughs) College football was not yet really in full gear. And I go to Amazon Prime because I've been meaning to watch this Val Kilmer documentary val it's the one about his life i don't know there may be others my val kilmer fandom centers around one movie no it's not the one you're thinking of no it's not top gun it's the saint the saint it's a 1997 movie with elizabeth shoe i'm a big fan of hers too kind of had a crush on her because of that movie. It's one of the few movies that I bought on DVD. I still have it somewhere. So I launched this documentary. I have the subtitles on, I don't know. So I can just kind of sort of keep up while I'm doing other things, which seems ridiculous because, okay, you're doing other stuff and you, and you're going to listen and try to read. Yeah, I don't know. Call me crazy. Uh, within a few minutes, I stopped doing what I'm doing. Because I'm intently watching this thing. It's narrated by his son because, well, Val, he is recovering from throat cancer, which has left him unable to speak without the aid of, you know, one of those vibrators attached to his neck. And it's on, and I'm watching it, and I Google. I Google him because I don't know how old he is. 61. He's 61. I'm 64. I mean, come on, it's impossible to not make comparisons, especially when it comes to health. He confesses that he was the first person he ever knew to have a video camera. And the documentary starts this way because, well, he used his video camera all the time. So much so, he has boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of videotape that he has shot throughout the years. And he's got tons of writings he's got scrapbooks galore i mean it's like it's like the guy has chronicled 
and kept like everything. And it makes me think, you know, I mean, if you do that, you, you, is it really worth it? Because you, who can go through all this material? It's, it's a just, it's a horrific amount of, of material. If you're sitting there looking at it, thinking I need to go through this one day, but it's his life and it's his story. And it's obviously a story that he desperately would like to tell. Sadly, now he doesn't really have the voice for it, but his son does. And by the way, his son looks and sounds an awful lot like he does. Deep into the movie, he is sobbing as he puts this large necklace that belongs to his deceased mother. He's, he puts it around his neck. And it's painfully obvious that her absence still hits him really, really hard. His mom divorced his dad when Val was eight. Repeated infidelities on the part of his father just finally took their toll. Dad was a real estate developer, wanted to be among the largest landowners in California, so much so that Dad at one point was not able to get a loan, and so he asked Val, his actor son, who at least was breaking through in a, a man of some means, he asked Val to co-sign on some massive land deals. And Val agreed. According to him, he said he agreed without hesitation. Even gave his dad power of attorney, which that struck me as rather odd. His father used that to form 20 or more shell companies to avoid paying taxes. Yeah, that caught up with him. So facing the prospect of suing his own father or writing a check that would exhaust his personal wealth and, in essence, bail his dad out, Val uttered the title that I'm using for today's show. I wrote the check and went to work. I wrote the check and went to work. Hmm. Should he have? I mean, I'm sure many people think that, come on, dude, just keep your money and, you know, don't bail out your dad. Come on, your dad, he cheated on your mom. He's this unscrupulous man of low integrity, uh, but it was Val's money to do with as he wanted. And from the sound of it, he, he didn't really deliberate that much about it. He just wrote the check and then he got back to work to earn more money. I wrote the check and went to work. So it got the wheels to turning, as they are wont to do when I come across a lyric or a phrase or a sentence that just kind of gnaws at me. I wrote the check and went to work. And, and I, I was thinking about Jeffrey Gittimer, I think, the famed sales trainer. Don't worry. You know, don't worry about the money. You'll make more. <laughs> kind of a thing that popped into my mind and I thought well okay you might maybe you'll earn more Val did earn more 
But I mostly, the first place that I went to in my head was focusing on our loss, focusing on our lack. It, it's just so easy to do. I wrote the check and went to work. I don't know how big the check was, but he clearly says that it pretty much exhausted his personal wealth. You know, it's so easy to dwell on our losses. It's so easy to dwell on what we don't have or what we no longer have. Much easier to dwell on those things when the losses and the lack are extensive, but it's not really helpful. Well, I check that. I guess it could be helpful if our own stupidity contributed to the loss. You want to make sure that you learn not to repeat that mistake. I know this. I know this firsthand because I have a litany of errors in my wake. The most expensive of of these personally was 50,000 bucks. I gave it to a person that I thought was a friend. It's a long story. I'd rather forget it quite frankly. And I had forgotten until I heard Val uttered this sentence. I wrote the check and went to work. Um, every now and again, it bubbles back up kind of like on this particular Saturday. And it irks me to no end mostly because I was duped by a man that I thought I could trust. And I was wrong. He was unscrupulous. He was dishonest. He was probably like Val's dad, a consummate liar. I was stupid. I was really, really, really stupid. But I learned. I have not invested money with anybody since. I've given people money, but made sure that it was I could afford to lose it and did it without any expectation of getting it back. I don't loan money period. I mean, I would never make it as a venture capitalist. Well, for starters, I'm too poor Uh, for another. I hate losing money and you can't, you can't really be a good venture capitalist. I don't think without getting used to losing some money. Yeah, you know, but here we go. I mean, I'm 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 now proving my point. A focus on losses, it just doesn't stir up anything good. I mean, this 50k incident happened to me many years ago, but it still stings as as though I just now am learning the lesson. So it's it's that Saturday and I'm thinking about this 50 grand. I'm thinking about this person that I gave it to who stole my money. And, and when I asked for it, he promised me he would return it with a reasonable return. In fact, that was the whole point of it all at the beginning. He never returned it. Even when I told him, I don't care about the return. Just give me the money back. I was nice. I was polite. Then I got assertive. Okay. And then I got aggressive. No, I got an attorney to draft a letter to him. Nothing. I think he's dead. I'm not sure. I've still got his numbers in my phone. So, yeah, here it is on this Saturday. I've watched this Val documentary. I've got this phrase emboldened on my brain. I wrote the check and went to work. And I text. I text this man who stole my money. And all I said was, curious how you're doing, question mark. 
person on the other end texted back, who is this? I told him my name and followed with the phrase, a blast from the past. And they replied, wrong number. Okay, well, no way to really know, right? Could have been him. Don't know. I do think he's dead, but I don't know that either. See what happens when you focus on what you don't have or what you've lost. You get distracted. It doesn't serve any useful purpose. I mean, I don't feel the least little bit better for having remembered losing 50 grand of this guy. And I certainly don't feel better now that I've texted. That's not resulted in anything good. Probably just wiser to focus on our good fortune, our favor, our blessings. For example, I could afford to lose the 50K. I'm not rich, but thankfully it wasn't. Well, it wasn't an insignificant amount, that's for sure. But it didn't, it didn't impact my life. Yeah, okay. Mentally, emotionally, pride and ego and all that. But it didn't it didn't have any real negative financial impact and it in no way impacts all the great things that i have to be thankful for so i figure okay come on it's about leaning toward wisdom i'm best served by just letting it go i mean if the guy who broke his word if the guy who kept the money if the guy who had no character and no integrity to be good for what he promised um and if he's dead, I mean, I'm, I'm not impacting him by dwelling on it. Even if he's alive, I'm not impacting him by getting worked up about it. I'm only hurting myself. In my coaching practice, I use road rage to illustrate the same thing. You know, if somebody cuts us off in traffic, we're outraged, and we can behave so foolishly, and we can speed up, we can tailgate them, we can do something worse, we can be really stupid, or we can just fuss and fume and thinking the worst about this person. In either case... We just do more injury to ourselves. We're not hurting them. They are completely unconcerned about us, totally unaware of how we're feeling about them. Okay, well, maybe unless we ride their bumper and behave like an idiot. So when we dwell on our losses, when we dwell on our lack, who are we hurting here? Well, we're hurting ourselves. I would say nobody else gets hurt, but that's not necessarily true because other people in our life can be hurt because, well, come on, it can alter our outlook, it can alter our mood, it can alter our behavior. So why do it? Because it's hard. It's hard to let things go, that's why. It can be difficult to write a check and go to work. Maybe by talking about it, maybe by thinking about it, we can grow our determination to behave more wisely. So I'm thinking about Val's statement there. And I'm thinking, you know, writing the check can also represent, it can represent so many things. For him, it represented writing a physical check, basically depleting his financial resources so that he could save his dad. Writing a check could also represent doing the right thing no matter what. It's admirable. Might be something we wish we didn't have to do. Might even be something that we question, will we do it? And you certainly don't want to do it if you don't have to do it. You know, anybody can do the right thing when there's nothing on the line or when it best suits us. All of these scammers that prey particularly on older folks claim to be from Apple or Amazon or PayPal or something. And it's greed, right? It, it's, it's, it's literally the art of the con. It's something for nothing. And I would say that greed got the best of me with a 50 K thing, but 
Kind of, sort of, but not really. You know, it was really more a relationship thing. I mean, it was really, it wasn't, no, it wasn't tantamount to Val and his dad, but that was a, that's a deeper relationship, a family relationship. Mine was just a, a friend relationship, just trying to do a solid and somebody offering to do you a solid in return. I didn't do it for the return. I did it for the relationship and that makes it hurt even more. But when you think about doing the right thing, when there's something on the line versus doing the right thing, when there's nothing on the line. And by that, I mean, there's no, to do the right thing. There's no negative consequence. Would you do the right thing? If there was a negative consequence, if it would cost you some money, would you still do the right thing? I mean, we, we want to think that we would. The best among us do the right thing no matter what, all the time, regardless of the circumstance, the situation, the consequences. But man, pride and selfishness, these are big culprits. We want what we want. And if we have to give something up to do the right thing, man, okay. Might hesitate. Or we might not hesitate. We might just refuse. Wait a minute, it's going to cost me how much? No, I'm out. Situations sometimes overpower what we know is right. And so I'm looking at this documentary and I'm, I'm looking at this man whose health is clearly not real good and he's younger than me. And I'm thinking, Hmm, I wrote the check and went to work and he's just so matter of fact about it. Now, I don't know. I don't know if that's an accurate depiction of the situation or not, but I'm going to trust it. I'm going to take it on face value. He writes the check, and he goes back to work. And he's had some other financial difficulties. You know, he's there been some projects that he wanted to finance, and he couldn't get financing. So, you know, he, he has sold some property, in some cases property that was pretty important to him. And it seems to me that he's the more I watched it, the more I realized that that statement, I wrote the check and went to work seems to kind of depict how he's chosen to live. And we can judge this all that we want, but the simple fact is it's his life, his money, his bank account. He can do with it what he wants. Doesn't mean it's got to be the way that I would do it. Doesn't even mean that I have to agree with it, but after all, it is, it is his life. It's his circumstance and situation to do with as he pleases. And I've got a degree of respect for the sentiment, if not the literal action. I wrote the check and went to work. Okay, that money's gone. Now I need to make more. Something to that. Something to that. So there's all kinds of things that flash through my mind on that Saturday morning and frankly have, have been ruminating in my head ever since about what this, what this means and what we can learn from it. And I don't, I don't even know where to begin to tell you the truth, because I think of, I think of the checks that I've written physically and metaphorically. And I questioned, okay, did I, did I go to work? Because it seems to me that more often than not, I have probably written a check and then lamented writing the check instead of just focusing on, okay, let's get back to work. So that doesn't make me particularly proud of myself. I would certainly like to be a person who just, okay, we, we, we just move on. 
we just move on. And if you can do that, man, hats off to you. I'd like to know the tricks. Part of my issue is I can, I can really look in the mirror deeply and second guess myself eight ways to Sunday and beat myself up. And in some cases, maybe even most cases, deservedly so. But at some point, you do have to just go back to work. It means to write the check. And what do you think it means to go back to work? Well, I guess it can mean any number of things, and we can just let our imaginations kind of run wild, which is clearly what I love to do. Writing the check, paying the price, going back to work, turning the page, moving forward. It's, it's all of these things. I, I know this intuitively and intellectually. I know this for myself that it's better to figure out if you're going to pay it and if you're going to pay it to just pay it and then move forward. And I get that there can be buyer's remorse. I get that there can be regret. And I get the value in looking back to figure out, could I have done that better? And if I feel like I could have done that better, then okay, next time. But man alive, can it be hard to get to next time. I can't do anything about the $50,000 that I gave to a friend who asked and he himself offered the returns. And like I said earlier, the returns were, that was not the point. The relationship was the point. Um, I should have thought longer about it perhaps, but I didn't, uh, I did it. I did it. Do I regret doing it? Of course I regret doing it. But at that time in those circumstances, I did it. And it was the going back to work. That was the harder part, writing the check. And especially when it became clear, okay, you're not going to see this again. He's not going to be good on his word. He's not an honorable person. And you may have been duped. And I think part of it is that because I learned as a teenage hi-fi salesman, the number one fear that shoppers have, this was back in the seventies is the fear of being taken. Nobody wants to be taken. Everybody wants to, they want to get a fair deal, preferably get a good deal, but nobody wants to be ripped off. And it still is our fear. And rightfully so, because the world is full of con men and ne'er-do-wells and people of low integrity. I look at the Val Kilmer story, and it's, it's even more fascinating because of the relationship with his father and because of the behavior, the prior behavior of his father, and the behavior of his father when he finds out that by giving his dad power of attorney, his dad used that to form over 20 shell companies so he could basically attempt to dupe the IRS, which he could not. And so Val had to write a check. I think of all the acts of betrayal, and for me, with my 50000 that's the deal. It wasn't the writing of the check. It may not even be turning the page and moving forward and going back to work. It's just, it's just the sense of betrayal. It's, it's, it's the being duped part that just irritates the snot out of you. So what checks 
do you need to write? What checks do you want to write and why? What checks do you absolutely not want to write? No way, no how are you going to write them? And then there are all those checks that are in between. The checks that you may not want to write. Maybe you even resent writing them, but you still feel compelled to write them. You know, I I think there's magic on, on both ends of this thing. The fact that Val had enough resources that he could write however significant that check was to get his father out of trouble, there's that. But then the fact that he could just move forward, he could go back to work, try to earn more, try to recover when he could have just cowered over in the corner and let bitterness and resentment eat him alive. He's clearly not a guy who chose that path. And in spite of his health issues, I'm happy for that. I'm happy for him and for his kiddos that he didn't choose that path. Because man alive, that would have been an easy path to take. And I dare say the majority of people probably would have taken that path. I also know people that they wouldn't write the check and they still might not be able to go back to work. Simply the fact that they were asked to write the check or that they were in a situation where they needed to write a check and they refused and just couldn't get over it. So the more I thought about it on that Saturday and on subsequent Saturdays and those days in between, I guess for me the topic really is betrayal. How do you deal with betrayal? So I've kind of written this sentence that Val uttered in my notebook. I kind of keep it in front of me. I wrote the check and I went to work. Because for me, it's a metaphor of overcoming the bitterness that otherwise could just overtake us all. I don't care who you are. If you've lived any time on the planet at all, you have suffered betrayal. And in many cases, it's real. And in other cases, I wonder. I wonder if the betrayals really are betrayals. Because you see, I don't really know what happened with my 50K. I only know that when I asked for it back, I was stalled and I was stalled some more. I don't know the circumstances. Did he take it from me never intending to give it back? That's what I think. Can I prove it? I can't. Did he intend on giving it back with the stated return that he promised and circumstances happen and he just, he couldn't do that, but he couldn't face up to it. I don't know. I don't know. And it's those assumptions that we make, even if there's seeming evidence to back them up that I think can really fuel our bitterness or we can, I think, take the wiser choice. And we can just let it go. And I'm getting there. This has been years and years ago. But after that text exchange on that Saturday, I thought, it's over. It's done. It ain't coming back. And so now what am I going to do? I wrote the check. I'm sorry that I wrote the check, but I did write the check. Well, actually, wired the money. But going back to work has to represent getting over it letting it go. And of course, when things come up and you think, man, if we had that, we could do this or we could do that, or we could help family or any number of things that you can do with, I mean, 50,000 is 
not chump change. It's a lot of money. It's a substantial amount of money to us. Still, it was then, it still is. But it is only money. And life is more than just harboring ill will or resentment or bitterness or regret. I learned I'll never do it again. So there's some value in that. As that Saturday ended, before I was willing to let go of this idea, at least for a moment in time, because it has preoccupied me since that Saturday, which was a number of Saturdays ago, I kept thinking to myself, and I even wrote it down on a pad here in front of me, life is too short. Life is too short. Forward progress and figuring it out is still, for me, the name of the game. And leaning toward wisdom, modern tales of an ancient pursuit, is still about us making these mistakes, sometimes horrifically expensive mistakes, but learning from them. I wish, like you probably do, that our biggest learnings, I wish they came from our highlight reel. I wish they came from our Instagram moments, but they don't. They come from getting your brains beat out. They come from your own idiocy and stupidity and foolishness and looking back and thinking, why did I do that? I will never do that again. It's called growth. It's called improvement. Here it's called leaning toward wisdom. I hope all is well with you and yours. Hope you're learning as you go. I know you are. Hope the mistakes you make, hope they're small and minor. But I do hope they're substantial enough that you're learning something because I fear that if the mistakes aren't too terribly strong, I don't know that I'm learning a lot, you know? We seem to be hard-headed creatures like that. I appreciate you clicking play. Thank you for subscribing. If you do, tell a friend. LeaningTowardWisdom.com is the website. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Welcome.